This is The Guardian. Today, what Israel's invasion of Gaza is like from inside the territory. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A couple of days ago, in a speech on TV, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced the war against Hamas had entered its second phase. For people living in the Gaza Strip, there was no way to follow this announcement. The entire territory had been taken offline. But people there knew, they could hear and feel, that Israel's military campaign was intensifying. Israeli ground forces are making larger incursions into Gaza, and officials are again warning of a wider invasion. And the ones who only heard it and felt it They were the lucky ones, because by the time Signal was restored in Gaza, hundreds more people had been killed in Israeli airstrikes. Three weeks into this war, aid agencies say food and water is running out. Doctors are performing surgeries without anaesthetic, working with the torches on their phones, order in Gaza is starting to break down. Over the past day, we've started to get a sense of what this new phase of the war will look like, what Israel's military strategy might be, and speaking to someone inside Gaza, what that means for millions of civilians trapped inside. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus inside Gaza as Israel invades. Hello? Hey, Hazem. Hazem, I can hear you now. Hi. Yes. Um, Yeah, but keep in mind it might go. Hazem Belusha is a journalist based in Gaza. On Monday afternoon, we managed to reach him on a pretty weak line. It was dropping in and out, and it wasn't always clear, but we could hear each other. All right, okay. Hazem, where are you right now? I'm in Nusserat refugee camp in uh, central Gaza Strip. And what do you see around you? What are things like there in that camp at the moment? Well, the camp itself is partially okay, I can say. Still, we hear the booms from the air. There were strikes. Last night was really horrible. We are not far from area, which considered a place that the Israeli tanks enter to Gaza. Uh, I see a bit of the border, which from a far distance, some, some trees. But uh, around me is like 
mostly rooftops and water tankers, empty water tankers. From time to time, we hear the shells from the Navy and we hear from the eastern border, from Borage, the tanks and artilleries. And can you tell me about what it was like on Friday night when communications were cut and the Israelis intensified their their campaign in the territory? That now is never like before. Um, Out of sudden, we had no signal, nothing working. I felt like it's something wrong with my phone. I turn it off, uh, on, back again. I checked with my wife, kids and and neighbors until we realized it's gone for everybody. And we turned the radio on and we heard they say that it's... What, What just happened? That's an airstrike. Oh, my God. Are you okay? I'm okay. I can see the smoke now. Oh Hazem, if you have to get somewhere, p- please go somewhere safe. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to talk right now. Uh, I mean, I have no other place to go. If, if you think you need to take cover, please do, because this conversation is not worth putting you in danger for. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can imagine, this is like the easiest that we hear. Last night was like really horrible. We could hear it like constantly. Can I take you back to Friday night when the communications were cut? I mean, what was that night like for you? How did you experience it? How did the people around you experience it? To feel like I'm, I'm totally isolated. I don't know what's happening, why it's happening, and how long it's going to last, and when it's going to be back. My source of news, like as a journalist, I hear radio, and sometimes if there is electricity, I watch TV, but uh, mainly I'm talking to the people on the ground. And to feel like complete isolated was like really a torture. And I couldn't communicate with the rest of the family, like who are living in the Gaza Strip. You know, we used to check on everybody every time, like they are okay, they are safe, nothing bad happening. For my wife, who is like um, her family in the West Bank, and it's like was like the hardest for her because she was thinking about her mother and her siblings. And it lasted for like from Friday evening till Sunday morning or at dawn it started to come back i remember when my wife wake me up and told me like there is signal and she was crying at the time you know she was worried that how her mother was like thinking about her and she's like okay and has in that time that gaza was offline what was happening in the territory that was the problem to be honest we didn't know we hear booms and we heard through the radio station i mean actually the local radios are not functioning because they have no capacity and they have no power but some of the local radios turn their frequencies to the arabic outlets like al jazeera or al mayadeen a lebanese based tv channel and we could hear from them like how intense that night and day was with the bombardment everywhere and we were really worried you know is it the end i mean like they want to isolate the place to do whatever they want without anybody hearing. And then from where you and your family are taking shelter, what are you seeing and hearing? I mean, what is it like to live through this intensifying campaign? A few days ago, there was like a a close um, strike to where where we are still. 
a relative house. It wasn't occupied, the house, so it had no furniture and nothing in there. So we are staying there. Me, my wife, two sons, um, with my father, mother-in-law, and my widowed sister, her child, and my brother with his wife and two children. We don't see things. We hear booms. We hear airstrikes sometimes. My kids asking me, what is this? Sometimes I can guess this is from the Navy. This is like artillery shell. This is a strike. This is a close one. This is far. Sometimes it's really close. We gather in the middle of the apartment. Like we think this is kind of a safe place. Sometimes the neighbors, they come to our place because we are in the back. We are surrounded with other buildings. Um, it's terrifying, especially for the kids. I mean, sometimes they are screaming or crying. I want to stay safe and to keep them safe as much as I can. And I'm, I'm doing my best on this. I hope I would succeed. What kinds of conversations are you having all together with your family when you're all in the house trying to keep safe? I mean, I mean, what do you talk about in a situation like that? With my kids, actually, my wife is like a hero in this. She's trying to keep them like occupied. She's playing with them. We have no internet. So they used to watch YouTube, but not anymore. My two sons, they are fan of football. One of them is fan of Real Madrid and the other one is Barcelona. So there was a classical the other day yeah. and um, the day of cut off. And she was like asking me, dad, I mean, what was the result? Can we watch it? I was like, I couldn't even call friends abroad to check the result. Luckily the other day, in the morning when it came back, I got up earlier than them. So I connected to the internet and I got the result on Google and I took a screenshot for them. They asked me when it's going to be over. One of the plans was for us to go through Rafa. That's that's the gate at the Egyptian border. The Egyptian border between Gaza and Egypt, the only gate that people can travel through now if it was open, but it's not. There were like some rumors that it would be open to evacuate some people, but it didn't happen. Now only trucks come through. I was checking and asking around colleagues and everybody if there is a news, but unfortunately, lately, nobody is even mentioning it. And so, Hazem, when your kids ask you, when is this going to end? I mean, what, what can you tell them? I mean, my kids are not like super young. They are 13 and 12. So they understand. I mean, I try to tell them very soon, pray to God and and everything has an end as long as we are safe and we are fine. You know, it will end at some point. That's the, the common answer. Hasm, what about food and clean water and other supplies? Are they reaching the area where you are? And, and how many days of, of supply do you think that your family has? This is the struggle. Like, there is no electricity. There is a tap downstairs. This is a washing water, not drinking water. I mean, thousands are not drinking from tap. It's contaminated uh, for years. So... My wife, my sister, they wash the dishes. We put it in the toilets as well because it smells bad because we use them sometimes without having water. I mean, I haven't been showered now for like three weeks, even more. Wow. 
Drinking water is really hard to get sometimes. Uh, sometimes all these bottles in the grocery shops are gone. It's not available anymore. There are some... some, uh, some uh, uh. As Hazim and I were talking, leaflets started to fall from the sky, dropped by Israeli jets. He reached out, trying to grab one. It's coming my way. I wish I... Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> what does it say? Uh... It's in Arabic from IDF. Um, so the residents of North Ring Gaza Strip and the governates of the center, uh, Gaza governate, become a battlefield. Mm. Shelters in the North Gaza Strip and Gaza City are not safe. Hamas and terrorist organizations are using the shelters hospitals, schools in this area. So your existence in these places are not safe. You have to evacuate immediately. How do you feel reading a warning like that, being told that in half the Gaza Strip, it's not safe and everyone there needs to go, just go somewhere? They keep saying, like, we have to go to the south. But, you know, you hear the strike in the south and still, like, it's happening. They drop it because there is no communication. Most of the phones, like, are not... Hazem, should you go somewhere safe? Should you go somewhere safe? It sounds terrifying on this end. Um, It is terrifying. It's indeed terrifying. And, and, And you imagine this all the time. I mean, what happens here is nothing and it's not compared to what happens in the northern area sometimes according to the eyewitnesses and testimonies from that area from the people who are still there. No safe place, Gaza. This is like a clear answer. Bethan McKernan, you're The Guardian's Jerusalem correspondent. You're less than 100 kilometres from where Hazem is right now. He's been telling us about what things are like inside Gaza. So is what's happening there the ground invasion that we've been told for weeks is coming? It's somewhere in between a full-scale ground invasion and the little sorties we were seeing for the past few weeks where the Israelis would go in maybe like a kilometre and basically assess the situation and then retreat again. Now they're holding ground. Hmm. And what we've seen, according to eyewitnesses in Gaza City, is that the Israelis are basically slowly entering this really huge, sprawling urban area. Sort of one side of it is coming from the coastal side, which is basically holiday camps and chalets and beaches and stuff. It's not really where anybody lives. But then the other prong of the attack seems to be down this main highway, basically, the other main highway. So, yeah, it seems the strategy is going to be to cut off Gaza City from the rest of the Gaza Strip, basically to cut Gaza in half and to focus the operation on the northern half of Gaza, which is where Gaza City is. And so you've described this strategy that we're seeing unfold right now of the IDF appearing to cut off Gaza City, to kind of encircle it and presumably start to move through it, destroying Hamas infrastructure. If that's what they're doing, what kind of fighting do you think will be happening on the ground now and in the days and weeks ahead? 
I mean, Gaza City is this really sprawling, dense, built-up metropolis, right? So I would expect it to be this kind of slice-by-slice thing, right? Where, I mean, it's urban warfare. And from what I saw covering Mosul in Iraq and Raqqa in Syria, you know, this is a kind of block-by-block, house-by-house kind of fighting. So it's going to be slow and it's going to be grueling. And it favours the defenders who know the territory. But I think it depends if the Israelis are serious about what they say they want to do, which is to completely enter the very heart of Gaza City itself. So, I mean, in the middle of Gaza, you've got universities and this middle-class neighbourhood called Ramal. And don't get me wrong, there is Hamas infrastructure there because they do hide it amongst civilian infrastructure. But, you know, that's a huge, huge, huge task that they're taking on. And There's also essentially a city under the city, which is this massive network of Hamas tunnels that they've built over the last 30 years, actually. They were building them before the siege started in 2007. They call it the metro because it's that massive and it also goes deep enough that you need to kind of use special filters for for the oxygen in there so that it's breathable. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy system. So that's the main challenge that Israel is facing. I think it's worth noting that back in 2014, which is the only time the Israelis launched a ground invasion into Gaza before this, you know, in the 16, 17 years that the Gaza Strip's been controlled by Hamas and the siege was put in place around it. In 2014, the IDF did not penetrate more than three kilometers into the Gaza Strip in any direction. And that was a six-week campaign, which to date had been the worst bloodshed in Gaza. But I think Israel is really aware that this is going to be a really long fight. And what is the Israeli government, what is the military telling the Israeli public about what this phase of their operation is? Are they saying that an invasion is underway? Netanyahu kind of addressed the nation on Saturday night and he said the war is moving into its second phase. Like That's what he'd called it. He also called it Israel's second war for independence. And what that seems to mean is a huge increase in the aerial targeting of different sites across Gaza, not just northern Gaza. Apparently, the Air Force said it struck 600 targets on Sunday alone. It does give you a sense that the fighting that may be happening right now and that probably lays ahead is going to be incredibly difficult and incredibly deadly. Yeah, it is going to be difficult. It's going to be a very difficult fight. It's going to be a very deadly fight. I think it's already probably extremely difficult, which is why it's going to be very slow. And as far as Hamas goes and the other militias that operate in Gaza, they've been planning for this for years. All of it basically heavily favours Hamas, except for the fact that Israel has such huge air power and such a huge arsenal of what they call, you know, bunker busting bombs. But, you know, they've used these bombs on Gaza in four previous rounds of war. Clearly, it hasn't worked. So I can't even imagine what it's like to be in Gaza right now. Coming up, we go back to Gaza with Hazem.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Hazem, what do you think is the Israeli plan for you and the millions of civilians who are stuck in Gaza in these conditions? I have no answer to this. I mean, they are talking about like cracking Hamas or smashing Hamas or whatever they, the goal or objective is. But I mean, what I see, what I live, what I experience is really hard for me and for my family. I want to live in peace. Um, it's not my guilt. It's not my fault. But I'm punished for something that I have never done. I mean, I don't know. Nobody's telling us anything about what's the aim of it and what's the end of it, whether from Palestinian side or Israeli side, to be honest. What happened on October 7 is not acceptable. But what happens now in Gaza is not acceptable too. I mean, there were victims there, but what about the victims here? Nobody cares. This is our feeling. This is not only my feeling. This is like most of the people that I talk to, they have such feeling. For the people who think that Israel has to do this in order to defend itself, in order to make itself safer, what do you say in response, living through the consequences of this Israeli campaign? I don't see this as a defense to Israel. I mean, I don't think that would make Israel safer. I mean, what Israel is doing here might harm Hamas. Of course, it harms the civilians 
and the ordinary people. It might be a burden on a Hamas government or the officials here when it's over, in case it was over. But at the end of the day, they are creating more enemies. They are creating more haters. The kids, they grow up on constant wars and conflicts. What would they think about Israel about living side by side. I mean, let's assume Hamas is smashed, but I mean, what about the other generation that would come and grow up or hate on something that they experienced from early times? So Israel is not creating peace or defend itself. I, I really believe they are creating more enemies in Gaza. They are not defending themselves. Well, Hazem, I think everyone listening to this is going to be hoping and praying that you and your family get through the next few days and and all of this. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe, Hazem. Stay safe. That was Hazem El-Balusha, a journalist based in Gaza. Thank you also to Bethan McKernan, The Guardian's Jerusalem correspondent. Her coverage and Hazem's coverage and the work of our entire team in Israel and Palestine is at theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Michael Safi, and this episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles and George McDonough. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back with you tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.